0: Hello and welcome to the season's first yet French football news preview show. I'm Eric Devin and joining me are Nathan Staples and Adam White back from a long summer of well football. Uh, We'll start with a brief rundown of the results of the three French sides in Europe starting with Nice who managed to beat Ajax on away goals netting a dramatic winner from Vincent Marcel to earn a 2-all draw in Amsterdam after drawing 1-all last week. Bordeaux have been less lucky on away goals being eliminated by Hungarian side Videoton this evening losing 1-0 away in a match that saw both sides finish with 10 men, after winning 2-1 last week in Bordeaux. And Marseille earned a scoreless draw, which means they'll progress after their 4-2 win last week. Uh, so after this week's matches, it's sort of par for the course for French sides in Europe. One team was eliminated early as Bordeaux followed Lille, Leon, and Saint-Étienne in y- recent years. It's a really poor start for the team, but I'll ask you gents, I'll start with you, Adam. Uh, is this a bad thing for a team that seems to have such a lack of depth after the current transfer window,
1: I think no. It's, I don't think it is a bad thing overall because if you look at the Europa League campaign as a whole, and um, um, they obviously in the competition two seasons ago and struggled terribly with injuries and 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 playing playing so many games in such a short space of time. So if you look at that season as a whole, I think that where they get in the Europa League knockout stages, perhaps would be, you know, the first or second round of the at stages would probably be the best they could hope for, which obviously isn't, you know, obviously isn't to be stiffed at. That's still a, a fair achievement. But if they're going to look at progressing overall, they, they need to focus on on the on their league position in my opinion. So it could work out to be a bit of a, a bit of a blessing. Obviously as you mentioned Lille there. It didn't really turn out for Leal that way last season. Having they went out to sort of I think it was a carabag, didn't they, in, in the first qualifying round that they were involved in, um, and obviously they had a terrible season. But I think from Bolo's point of view, with such a thin squad, as you as you mentioned, selling Nicola Powell, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and a number of other players, and not really strengthening all that much over the over the course of the off season, then um, they would they would definitely struggle with that. That sort of quick turnaround between European trips and travelling long distances, and um, I think actually when they were in the Europa League last term, they travelled the longest ever distance by a European team from from there, from Bordeaux to to Carat, I think, for for a, for a qualifier. So they they, they you know they got the, they got a raw deal. But I think for, as their squad develops and as their team develops, playing Europa League football is something that will obviously need to come. But I think it's it's going to be a sort of a, a, a very slow development because this squad couldn't handle you know, two games a week, three games a week as it
0: stands. Alright, Nathan, turning to you, we saw Bordeaux make a somewhat surprising move in selling Nicolas Palawat to Nantes this last week. So, I guess a two-part question for you. One, we obviously know Palawa's a fairly talented defender but it has, has some temperamental problems. So, why sell him? Uh, and, and second, why uh, now what becomes more of a need with Jeremy Toulon playing defense? Is it, do you feel they need another center back or another defensive midfield, defensive midfielder? Uh, and who are some of the targets that you could look at in that regard?
2: Well, for starters, with Nikola Power, I think the only reason they have sold him is possibly because he is a little bit of a hothead. He is a good player on his day. And the fact that they've moved Jeremy Toulon into center back sort of amplifies the fact that They need a centre-back more than anything. They need to move Toulon back to that defensive mid position because that's where he's most effective. He looked pretty poor today, in all honesty. He was turned a couple of times. He's very, very slow now and getting into his old rage, which is a little bit of a discredit to how good he still can be. But he's not a centre-back by any means. So that needs to be their main focus, really. If not, like you say, a defensive midfielder because Jaroslav Paschil doesn't really work there anymore. They played the uh, young Argentinian in the previous leg and he did okay, but I'm not solely convinced really that he can do the job for an entire season. So I would say they need to target a centre-back and and someone, maybe a Christophe Julian from Toulouse, maybe that's a gettable player. Someone of that kind of level. I'm trying to think of other centre-backs that might be gettable, really, they're kind of not in Europe anymore, but they might be challenging around those Europa League places again. Someone of that kind of ilk, maybe in that if they can get someone who's 24, 25, can still grow, that would be really ideal for them, I think. Because, again, that means that if they can't get a defensive midfielder in, they can easily slot Tula Long back into his more natural position, which I think will be best for them, really, both from a both from a personnel point of view and from a a financial point of view of not having to overstretch their means by any sense.
0: Adam, what's your take on Bordeaux's summer window and and these positions in particular? I I feel like there are players out there, maybe one of the three centre-backs, four centre-backs that Saint-Étienne have and Pogba, Perrin, Tiofa Catherine uh, and Lacroix could be had, but uh, what's your take on this? Adam?
2: He's got his mic muted. Hello. Not
1: Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nathan's right. I had my mic muted. My mic um, yeah, I, I, that's an interesting point you raised to the um centre backs. Um, I'm not sure any of those players would necessarily strengthen the overall team, but obviously they would add numbers to numbers their squad. I agree with Nathan that too long needs to be moved back to the defensive midfield as soon as possible. And oddly, that's kind of a position where they've, you know, midfield anyway, is one where they strengthened in the last sort of six to nine months with Valentine Vada breaking through, starting Sankari over the winter. Uh, Lucas Laraga coming in from from Belgium. Um, and I, I, I do agree with Nathan as well that Mara Rambari is, is not the man to necessarily yet anyway fill that defensive midfield well. So that I think they kind of need strengthening in in a number of areas. So you look at their forward line as well, if Roland's gonna leave, Tok is very difficult to keep fit. Alex Mendy isn't necessarily, well, if this were more than a, a stand-in, so I, I I feel like that it's a very, very thin squad, and they need to be looking, you know, seriously at pretty much every area of the team. I think one thing that should be really made clear is that this is a terrible, terrible result. Hung, the Hungarian league is, is 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 really quite poor these days, and video turn especially. I think they're only they finished second or, or third in, in, in the league, and... They, they whatever their team, Border, they should be winning this they should be winning this tie uh, hands down. And Hungarian Hungarian ties have been terrible in Europe in recent years and to, to go out to, to video team is a is a major, major disappointment. So I think they, they you know, they should be worried from both that standpoint and the fact that their squad is, is rapidly thinning with the sale of power. So yeah, they need to be it's been a poor window really for, their, for by their standards so far and they, they need to be looking at both central midfield and central defence for me.
0: All
2: right, let's uh, turn our... Oh, just sorry. Very, very briefly, I'd like to say that Gaetan Laborde was pretty awful in both games. Um, he came off it, because of the red card in the second one, but he was very off the pace, worryingly yeah. so.
0: I, I think that's a, a fairly common theme throughout Bordeaux. They, they really looked pretty anemic in both both legs. Uh, Justin Gorbunek needs to get this team up to speed quickly. Given any improvements that some teams are likely to make. One of those teams, obviously, that has invested heavily over the summer is Marseille. Uh, scoreless draw today again saw them progress 4-2 on aggregate. Uh, so Nathan, coming to you then, their slow center backs seemed again a problem in the home leg. Um, Patrice Ever was really poor in that leg. We saw him replaced by Thomas Hubachan today. So I guess a two-pronged question here for you again. Do you think that? those slower centre-backs can be a problem in helping Marseille achieve their aims in the league. And along with that, with that defence, should Hubachan be the first choice ahead of Ever and Badem at this point?
2: In terms of your first question, yes, I am a little bit worried about their slow centre-backs. Adil Ramí's a good player, and he showed it at times, although when he got players in behind he really does struggle but his strength and positioning at times and his ability in the air is is probably good enough at this level uh I do still worry about Rolando though he can be a bit rash he can be a bit caught out of position and had it been for a couple of extra touches in the first half from one uh, erst player then they might have scored a goal nice and early and that would have been a worry because Rolando's positioning wasn't great and they did get in behind a few times and They've really been saved by Mandanda and sometimes as well tonight, but it does worry me. Uh, We mentioned in the preview that we were a little bit worried about their depth, especially at centre-back, that they maybe should have gone for a younger player like Anissa or Yoris Nianyon, if they were available, even if it was splashing out maybe 15 million, 20 million euros on them, because that's their real area of need. And they've not really dramatically improved in that area, although they probably expect Rami to be maybe just about good enough. Um, in terms of left-back, I liked Hubachan chan there tonight, and I think he's probably the better option, especially defensively compared to Evra Ever- 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 and uh, Bedimo. Um, he's decent going forward. I think he's solid at that point, but he's not as good as the other two. But, In terms of the fact that they're so weak at the back on occasions, I think that his defensive stability, as well as being able to cover in at centre-back and maybe play a back three if they desperately needed to, is incredibly valuable to the team this season. And and possibly starting him over the two might be more important, especially in the bigger games when they face the tougher teams like PSG, Monaco, Lyon. He will be important. Ever maybe starts because of seniority and in the Lesser games, he's probably better because he's better in this in the final third. But yeah, I would start Huber Chan if they maybe not at the weekend because, like I say, they're playing a lesser team. But definitely in the bigger games, he's gonna he's gonna be a massive improvement defensively that they desperately need.
0: All right, turning now to you, Adam. We saw Luis Gustavo, uh, Summer Signing Wolfsburg being played in defensive midfield. Now he. For me, also, as a player who looks a little bit slow, a little bit off the pace, I understand that he's not really been in his best since that, really since that World Cup. Um, so, a question for two-part question for you as well then. Uh, would Andre, Frank, Zambo, and Guisa be a better option in defensive midfield? And along with that, I'd like you to chime in on this as well, Nathan. Are Marseille guilty of chasing names? Uh, R- William Vanker, for me, was really solid last year in that role. Doesn't appear to be wanted at Roma with them having brought in Maxime Gonalon. Should it you know I know that Vancouver wouldn't probably not have cost as much as Gustavo would is are Marseille thinking too much about their mark- about a marquee signing if you will, or their, their credibility their media popularity over what actually happens on the pitch yeah i I, I
1: can definitely see um where you're coming from in, in 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 that regard, Eric, I think they are a little bit of a <laughs> a retirement home for French internationals at the moment. They're sort of going for the names. It's almost like they're sort of a, a very, very poor man's PSG. It's a very similar kind of ethos to sign names and to sign big players. Obviously, you know, that that has a lot of caveats. We'll talk about Neymar later on, but it's there's there's a lot of things to to consider when you look at that Marseille team. And I definitely think that perhaps William Vancoe might have been a, a more prudent signing, but Luis Gustavo is, is the bigger name. And and that's that's sort of what their policy sort of is leaning towards these days. Because you're right, banker was was good in that in that position, very quietly so. But he was very good in that area last last season, and would have overall cost cost less than Gustavo. And although the one thing I would say about Liz Gustavo is that yes. Um, he, he, he is slow, but I think in that position, as we mentioned for too long on, it's not necessarily a huge hindrance. Obviously, it's great for all your players to be as fast as possible, but it's, it's a position where you can get away with it a little bit better. So I, I think there's a long way to go for Gustavo. then only played two competitive games, and he played seven games in total uh, in, a, in, in pre-season. Obviously, he had a very disappointing season with Wolfsburg, where they nearly got relegated last year. And you're right, I don't think he's recovered from that World Cup either. So. I think it's really important that he's given a little bit of time at Marseille, and I think in terms of ability, he 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 should be an upgrade on on Banker. But whether he whether he can realise that potential remains remains to be seen. A little bit for me.
0: All right, Nathan, what do you think about the idea of Marseille chasing names? Is this a pro, is this something you see being a problem as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They they've. I think Adams hit the nail on the head when he says it's like a budget PSG that they've simply gone. We'll pick out the names that people are aware of and have that kind of brand knowledge and that will get us to where we want to be and I don't think in the long term that's going to work in the short term simply because of the the difficulties of other teams we think of Leon losing a few key players maybe not replacing them with exactly the same quality um you think of Nice probably not going to be as good as they were last season despite not losing an enormous amount but Ricardo Pereira is a pretty big loss they might just be off that pace. Monaco losing a few players as well. They've all sort of closed into them. And even though they've bought mostly older players, they've narrowed the gap slightly. And and at times, they've been interesting tonight. I, I still think the signing of Man, especially was an excellent signing. Um, Gustavo did look a little bit off the pace, but he's a solid player and was at, at Wolfsburg. Um, it's just the, the other ones you think of, like Ramy, like ever in January, the names are even being linked to. They're all older players, and you'd really hope that they'd have learnt from from the mould of Monaco of trying to go young and, and build the squad like that. But again, the worry for them then is that, is that sustainable? Is that a, a way of building a squad a squad without it being gutted by the the bigger fish in Europe? Um, so I understand maybe why they're going short term, why they really want to get themselves back in Europe now, but they probably needed to do better in planting these seeds for the future. Um, if they can maybe do a couple of those still, the window's still open, if they can bring in a young centre-back maybe, if they can bring in a young forward as well, it might make up for it still. So they've still got a chance, but I, I don't really like the direction they're going at the moment. But then again, they might change course So should they reach Europe they might then start developing something else of a more long-term plan once they get back to where they really want to be. All
0: right. Now I want to take a look at Nice, uh, who did very well, I think, to progress against Ajax. They looked really, really sharp, really fun to watch on the counter, uh, even if they were a bit more pardon me, open than they had been at times last year. Uh, that said, they're going to face a tough draw in the next round. I, I don't think they're going to be favourites against any of those five sides, but Neither were they against Ajax, so anything could happen. Uh, they also face the potential loss of Jean-Michel Seri, who has a €40 million Euro release clause and has been consistently linked with the legs of Arsenal. Uh, but it's an encouraging start to this season for Nice. But the question I wanted to, to ask you both surrounding uh, these two legs is the performance of Johan Cardinal, who really was at fault for uh, a pair of goals, one in the, the one in the first leg for sure, and, and the second one as well, uh, the one scored by Van de Beek. Uh, in the uh, second leg yesterday, and my question—I know this may seem controversial—in in, in light of him being being uh, plumped up for some for the national team as that third choice keeper—is he good enough? Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, if the top um, three and pro- progress to the group stage is their aim, that is. That is.
1: Is is he good enough for the? the it's for, it's, your, it's a really interesting question because it's something I wrestled with a lot last season, and I, I kind of I know that he had some good performances last season, but I feel like that if if Nice want to if if he's nice going to be playing Champions League football, I don't know that Yoan Cardinal is going to be um, a Champions League level goalkeeper, or at least as a level to where perhaps they might hope to be. Uh, I think he does make mistakes. Um, a little bit too frequently, and I don't know that his his handling is as solid as you would hope as hope for a, for a, certainly for an international goalkeeper and definitely for a goalkeeper in 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 the Champions League. So for me, I, I think that it, I'm surprised they didn't go out and and sign a more experienced and a safer pair of hands. It's very it's a bit of a cliche, but someone a, a little bit more secure, a little bit more steady. He he may be a, a talented. A talented goalkeeper in, in some areas, but I don't know that he's got the all-round game to be, you know, to play at the highest level for an extended period. So, I think if they if they were to make it into those into those into those group stages, then it's possible he could be found wanting again. You're absolutely right. He wasn't fault for uh, over the, over the two legs, and I'm um, I'm surprised they haven't gone out and strengthened. And you're absolutely right, by the way. Eric, It's going to be very difficult for them to, to to qualify for the group stages anyway. That draw, whatever draw they get. Is um is going to be a tough one, but I think they were they were, they were really good last night and um deserved to beat Ajax. When you were, Ajax were in the final Europa League, obviously uh, the last season. So it's, although their their squad has changed a little bit, it's a really really good result. So I think these fans in general can can be really positive going into the new season. But I still, for me anyway, would look at a goalkeeper between now and September the first.
0: Nathan, what where do you stand on this? There were rumors uh, towards the end of last season. And the keep that Nice were looking to bring in a more experienced player in light of having qualified for the Champions League. Steve Mandando is linked. Prior days, move to Marseille. Uh, where do you stand on on Cardinal and his his future with the club?
2: Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a frustration still, isn't he? I, I mean, the way I always describe him still will is he, he he does really remind me of Bartes, but he's he's at that stage where. He's making too many of those uh, classic brain farts that the former France international had where it's now costing his team in games. I mean, it was a really poor one in the first leg. In the second leg, it's, it's not the greatest performance you've ever seen. And you can maybe blame him at some of the goals as well. But you can't keep that happening at that level. If, like Andam said, if, if they want to have that ambition of being a Champions League team, he needs to be more consistent and you start to worry now that having that happen over the course of last season on occasion and, and really starting the season really poorly, is this something that's going to bleed into his overall play? Um If they were looking to bring in an experienced keeper, I'm surprised they didn't try and maybe throw in their their ticket into sort of the Benoit Costeel sweepstakes, although he's gone to Bordeaux. Maybe that would have been an interesting one, a more experienced keeper someone a little bit more consistent that still maybe plays with the right kind of style they need. Um, but other than that, can they bring someone in? The goalkeeping market's really difficult, really, in all honesty. that Other teams have struggled as well this season. Finding someone that's going to... is is of that right experience level as well as being of that quality level is probably going to be the difficult part, I think. Um, there's not a name that I can spring to mind. They're either too old already established at a club good enough for, for them or I'm trying to think of maybe, maybe yeah maybe Sirigu. May, he's he's already left hasn't he? he's joined t- uh, Torino. Torino yeah so but he may be an option yeah I'm also thinking maybe um Arsenal goalkeeper, Champions League goalkeeper last season. Um yes, me. no Is not sure. no he's Ospina. gone to Ospina. 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 that's what I'm saying. But was thinking. it easy before? yeah yeah maybe someone even like that Um, I've always quite liked Tospina to be fair and maybe someone of that quality level maybe yeah they maybe needed to get in these sweepstakes earlier if they wanted a goalkeeper really I don't really see anyone on the market now to to go out and get so they might really be stuck with him but the hope is that he can really cut out some of these very very stupid mistakes that seem to keep cropping up but I think the ship might have passed already, even though there's still a month left of the window. I, I'm not sure if there's someone out there for, of good enough for quality for Nice to go out and get.
0: All right. One more question on uh, Nice before we, we turn to, to our discussion of Neymar. Uh, we've seen uh, players break through in a really impressive way from the academy in recent seasons. Vincent Coziello, uh, Malang Sarr, Cardinal. I mean, I know we, he has his foibles, but it, I think he's still impressed to some degree. I wanted each of you to throw out a name out of you first who you might like to talk about as being that player this season. It doesn't have to be necessarily an academy product. Nice have brought in a lot of younger players in the recent past. Is there someone you really look as as really making a name for themselves in the upcoming season for Les Zegelands? Um, for Nice specifically? Yes. Yes. Um,
1: I think um, an interesting one from from Niece's sort of younger, uh, sort of teenage ranks, if you like, could be Olivia Boscaglia. I was really really impressed with him um, at the Under Twenty World Cup. He play he can play either either back um, centre back as well, mainly left back. And uh, he's got a good cross on him, and he's got pace. He reads the game relatively well, and I think he's a he's a burgeoning talent. And he didn't get too many games over the course of last season. He's played in a few friendlies. He hasn't made the squad for the either European game, which is a little bit. A little bit disappointing because I was hoping that to see a little bit more of him this season, but um, especially with Paul Bass leaving, perhaps there's a little um, a little space opening up for him uh, in in the Nice team. But he was good um, at the other 20 World Cup, so although that's you know, the the French team in general sort of flattered to deceive a little bit, but uh, in, in in the group stages, he he played he played pretty well. So I think perhaps he's one to, to look out for for Nice.
2: Nathan, what about you? There's a there's a fair few you've mentioned that. There's a couple they've signed. There's a couple they already had in the ranks. Jean-Victor Mekenga will be an interesting one to watch. who was at, at Caen. Um, the, and Marcel, who obviously scored the the winner. He's played a couple of times last season. He is really exciting when he does play. But I, I really like the, the youngster they've played in the last couple of games um, The um, in the Champions League at least, which is Srafi. Um, he didn't play too much last season, but I really like his little bits of movement, his little bit of link-up play. He seems to add a little bit of verve, a little bit of quickness in that sort of more central area in behind whoever's playing a striker, whether that be Balotelli or or player. It was probably more apparent um, in the second leg, at least in the first 15 minutes, where Nice were really on top. But I like him a lot. I'm looking forward to from the signs of him playing the first two games it looks like Favre is gonna trust him in playing quite a few minutes this season which is really exciting for him and he does nice little build-up plays he can clearly play on the wings if needs be either as well but but yeah i'm really excited by him he's he's been probably one of the brightest spots of the two legs even though that overall they've been middle to good maybe i would say like They've relied a little bit maybe too watch on a bit of excellence from Seri in both of them. But yeah, I'm really excited by him. I think he could be a really interesting player, especially uh, with Belander gone. Um, he might be a really important player for them this season.
0: I definitely agree with that. I really like the look of Svarty myself as well. And then briefly, just to conclude, our, conclude this, uh, who would you like to see, Adam, you first? Who would you like to see uh, Nice play? And are any of these... Any of the bigger names, uh, say Sevilla, Napoli, and Liverpool, looking a little bit weak.
1: Um. It's, yeah. So they would. They would. It's an interesting question because I think first of all, the the real sort of ace for, for Nice in this next round would be Lucien Favre. I talked. To, we all. We all did talk about him on the pod last season about being one hell of a signing and a really underrated managerial signing in Europe, sort of wider European terms, and his sort of nous and his experience and his his ability to sort of. Grind out results from from sort of unexpected in, in unexpected ways with sort of very nuanced tactical tweets that, that he did, especially after Christmas when Nice weren't playing so well uh, in Liga. last year would be a real asset for for Nice going into into this round. But I still don't think that he, they're gonna they're gonna have much of a, a they won't well they won't be too confident anyway going in against Liverpool, Severe or Napoli. I think those three teams are going to be very, very difficult to overcome. So I think if they were if they were to draw CSK or sporting, I, I would honestly fancy them though. I think those those two sides are definitely very beatable. And um the way that Nice played last night and the way that they've played over the last even the last the whole sort of 18 months perhaps, that you know, that they they've proven that they've got the they've got the ability and they've got the togetherness to, to win those close games against bigger sides. Are they were fantastic against PSG in both games last season in the league. So I really think that they they've got a shot of making the the uh, Champions League group stages. But as with as with all of these uh, the, the, the stage, this this stage season in both competitions, it depends a little bit on the draw. But I fancy them against CSK or, or Sporting. So hopefully they'll get one of those two sides.
0: Nathan, what's your take on the playoff round opponents? We'll have that draw tomorrow uh, from noon European.
2: Yeah, agreed. You would take CSK or Sporting. Any of the other ones really, especially Liverpool and Napoli. If they play that defence where Le Marchand and and Sarr at left back, they were both pretty awful at times last night. Um, I would really fear a hammering from those kind of attacking players. That It will give Favre nightmares if he gets one of those two sides. But yeah, if they get the Russians or the, or the Portuguese side, I, I fancy them maybe to just sneak it in. All
0: right. So turning now to our the, the topic of the day in French football, that is obviously the signing of Neymar who has moved from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain for a 222 million euro uh, release clause. The entire deal is rumored to cost PSG upwards of 400 million euro, including the player's contract, agent payments, and the like. So we did mention this briefly on the preview show on Monday, but Adam, neither you nor nor you, Nathan, had much of a, an opportunity to express yourself on this. So Adam, I want to come to you first. Uh, What's what's your overall take on on this move? Is this the right move for PSG? Is this the kind of player you can't refuse? Uh, should the money have been better invested being spread around the squad? Um, all very interesting questions, and I think that um,
1: from PSG's point of view, this is is a great signing. And I know that the, the, the money involved is is astronomical, but when you look at Paris Saint Germain's squad and the way they've gone about signing players previously, they've they've signed. On occasion, anyway, players from the level, the level below of the, the very, very top players. I talked about signing a top five player and Neymar's definitely a top five player, probably a top three player quite, quite easily behind Messi and, and Ronaldo. And, and the way that PSG, if they're going to continue their ethos of that sort of quasi-Galatico's uh, sort of policy, is that they'd have to? They, is to escalate, and and they had to sign bigger. And you look at players like Angel Di Maria, Ibrahimovic, Cavani, Jadon Silva. Those players are on that sort of next rung, if you like. And and they've only made the quarterfinals of the Champions League what three, four years in a row now, and it not getting them anywhere. So either they change tack and they they look at the way Monaco succeeded you well last year, or they continue with their their big spending and their their sort of their their buying of names and their. The, the, the sort of that, that galactico ethos that, we, that I mentioned and as given their, their model so far there was only one way they're really going to go so if they were going to sign one of these players you know of that sort of top five calibre if you like then and a fee of this type was always going to have to be involved and I think it's it's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit of all the freeway around the transfer but he's going to be absolutely brilliant for PSG you you would imagine. And even just, just that one game they, they played at the New Camp, where obviously the very famous game we talked about on the pod where BASA 1-6-1 obviously overcame that 4-1 deficit from the first leg of the Champions League uh, second round game this year. Neymar was unbelievable in that game. And that's the kind of kind of performance that PSG have been crying out for from, from players like Di Maria, Thiago Silva, who on that night particularly was pretty terrible. And Ibrahimovic never really shone in the Champions League. So they haven't been able to get what they want from that next tier of players. So they kind of had to go to this to this level and to this extent. And the only way to do it is to spend the money. So for, for me, I actually think if they can afford and they can avoid financial fair play, which obviously won't come into effect until they're sort of audited later on uh, next season, and they can spread the cost over a certain amount of years, if they can get away with it and they can, they, you know, they've got that huge backup from QSI, then. Why not? I think it'll definitely bring them close to winning the Champions League, which is is anything they really care about. So, for me, I think it's kind of the way football's going, unfortunately. And I I can see the rationale behind it. And I hope it it does well for them.
0: Nathan, what about yourself? What's your hot take on Neymar? Uh,
2: I think it's a fantastic move, in all honesty, regardless of money. Even though it's crazy, crazy money. Um, I always think that any big club in Europe or in the world... If you have an opportunity to sign someone who's top five, like Adam said, maybe top even top three in Neymar, um, you sign them. If you've got even the faintest opportunity of signing them, you sign them because when you do pull off something like this, it can transform not only your current season um, and marketing opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, but it can change your complexion of your team for the next 10 years. I mean, they're getting a superstar in his prime. He's only 25. He's fantastic. He's going to be excellent in the league. He's going to destroy some teams, in all honesty. It's going to be very, very exciting to watch. And we're all very much looking forward to it. But this is just the first step. I mean, they might not win the Champions League instantly this season just because they signed Neymar. Let's not kid ourselves. And yes, they do need to maybe balance out the team a little bit better. But that can come next summer. In all honesty, they've they've got the player they needed to get to that next level. If they can then balance out the squad next season, they have to not only be potential potential challengers for the Champions League, but they might even be favourites if they spend it rightly. Um, That's how much difference this kind of player can make. Um, And in all honesty, I I think it's superb. It's great for the league. There'll be more eyes on League 1 for it. It was hilarious laughing at the... uh, the La Liga Chiefs moaning and throwing the toys out the pram for as long as possible, but it's got through the door. It's uh, one of the best signings of the last decade, and um, we're going to really, really enjoy watching him uh, light up Liga.
0: All right. Uh, turning our attention now to previews, we're just going to look at two matches this uh, this, ma- this match day, match day one. Uh, and Adam, I want to come to you first. Uh, we're going to look at Monaco to lose, which is tomorrow. In terms of transfer policy, we, we did speak about Toulouse a little bit. They look like they're set to play a 4-4-2 with Vinny Delore and Yeah Sanogo up top, Quentin Jean and Jimmy Dermas on the wings. Are Toulouse missing a trick by not having signed a creative midfielder? I have to figure this team's quality in defense and even in midfield, have it, the quality that is there to, to push for Europe, even with the improvements to me that Marseille and Lille have made. Have they made a mistake in perhaps sort of wasting a season of the likes of LaFont, Julianne, and, and Jupp?
1: Perhaps. I think it's an interesting point you make about the the creative midfielder. Um, Oscar Trejo was was really, really good for them last season. And he was, before the took over, he was sort of in and out of the side. And perhaps didn't really show his best form under Dormier Abadji either, but the really got the best out of him. And they haven't really gone about replacing him. Um, so I think for now that's definitely a little bit of a hole in their side. But the signing of it's a different type of signing, but the signing of Yannick is definitely an interesting one. Um he hasn't Debraz joked in a press conference that he said something well and hasn't got himself sent off yet, so he's relatively happy with him. Which um which is you know, which is which is, which is it goes to a lot it goes to say a lot about what the type of player that he is. And I think he's a very depressed type of player as well. He's he wants warriors and he wants players that are gonna fight perhaps too much on Karazak's part, but he's definitely an interesting signing and will beef up like that in midfield. But um, in terms of pushing for Europe, um, I, I think that they've definitely got a fair amount of quality in their team defensively, as you mentioned, and they've got. I like Jimmy Durmaz; he was sort of a bit erratic last season, but he, him and Quentin Jean are very dangerous in in wide areas, despite losing Martin Braith, but who didn't have the second half of the season to remember at all. And his Law, we know, can score goals in Liga, and so it's it's out. It's an outside bet, perhaps, that they're making it, but. I think, given the strides made by other teams, I think that it would be a, it would be a very big surprise if they finished in the top six. But top half would be would be an improvement on last season, and and would continue sort of the development of the team. So, um, Europe perhaps could come later on if they're able to develop from here, and perhaps bring from more young players, and we get a big fee for someone like Issa Diop or even Alba Lafonte and spend that wisely. But this season, I think top half would be a good good result for Toulouse. But an interesting side, and, I, and I've not not sort of hidden my love for De Prez or Toulouse on the pod. So hopefully, them. I'd love to see them push for Europe, but <laughs> maybe one step too far this season for now. But they've, they've got they've got potential.
0: All right, Nathan. Turning to you in Monaco, Jibril uh, Sidibe is a doubt uh, for this match after having suffered knee injury in the Trophée des Champions. Uh, a question for you then: Monaco have had what I think is a promising window, signing the likes of Congolo and Yuri Thielmann's younger players who continue along that model of having resale value. But my question for you, though, is, is depth going to be a potential concern? Monaco, let's face it, we're really lucky with injuries last year. Uh, Falcao missed, missed a handful of matches, but, and, the, and City B missed a few towards the end of the season, but in general, most of Monaco's players were able to answer the bell for every match. Do you think that they've done enough in terms of depth once they start balancing the Champions League to not suffer too much of a drop-off in their performance?
2: not quite unless some of these young players really step up to the mark that they've bought in um, if they do then they might just have enough but you did make an excellent point that they they were really lucky with injuries and a lot of times in all honesty you look around leagues in Europe if a team can stay injury free and are good then they it does really help them especially in a title hunt a lot of teams that win the league don't have major injuries throughout the season really so that that's a really good point but I do worry about their depth, really. I, I think, at least for the weekend with Sidibe out, it's not too bad because we all love Al, uh, Almami Torre and um, they'll probably play Congolo uh, at left-back anyway. So that's not too much of a worry. Um, but yes, if they lost someone key to injury, if, if they do remain like, uh, especially Fabinho, uh, especially Kylian Mbappe, uh, especially Camille Glick as well, although Congolo can cover at centre-back if needs be, those three... Really, the spine of this team now. Um, Even you might include Yuri Tielemans in there sooner rather than later, given his performance uh, on Saturday. He was excellent. Um, But yeah, that's the real worry because, not necessarily because of depth, yes, they could have bought more players to go behind those three. But at the same time, they're all three exceptional players that are difficult for any team to replace. Camel Glick's a great leader um is so strong and, and really positions himself well and he makes players around him like Jameson step up to that next level because he was fan he's got much, much better since last season, really. Um for, well since the start of last season anyway. Um Fabinho does so much work that it makes everyone around him job a little bit easier from fullbacks to Tielemans to to even wingers. And obviously we don't need to tell you how much how good Mbappe is and how he can really transform games because he can just score so easily. It seems like it's just how things naturally come to him. But yeah, you do worry a little bit about depth. But if those three can stay fit, if some of the other players don't around them, maybe a Lamar as well, because he's very good when on when he's on song. And, and I mentioned Jemison already as well. If they those five especially can stay fit, I think they'll just be fine. It's If there's a key injury to one of those, few players, uh, they're really, really going to um, feel the impact of it. All right. What would be your score prediction then? Uh, I'm going to go 3-0 to Monica. Okay. Adam? 2-1 Monica. All right. I'll go for
0: 2-0. And then our second match of the podcast is going to be Leon Strasbourg. Adam, Namil Fekir has been named captain. Uh, somewhat of a surprise given his petulance and seemingly... Being out of shape for much of last season, has he shown enough in preseason for you to merit it? And is this something that you think he could use as a springboard to get back to the level he was in 2014-15? Um, you would
1: hope so. I, I think it's a bizarre decision. I, I am very surprised. Obviously, they've 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 had a lot of changes at the club with with Tolisso and Lacazette leaving, which is obviously a, a huge a huge gap to to fill in their squad. But Fakir was after that brilliant season uh, when they changed their the title, him and Lacazette. Really broke through. It last half of last season. Obviously, had that horrible knee injury, but he was in and out of the team. And and when he did play, he was very average to to to, to pretty poor in in, in some cases. So I'm honestly very surprised to see him named named captain going forward. If it's a springboard for him to to recapture his previous form, I think everybody in league and you know who watches league and regularly would hope that that's the case. But I don't know that he's shown enough in preseason to warrant. Uh, the 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 captaincy it's, it's a very interesting something. I'd love to get your take on this, Eric, cause as a Leon fan. is he, who w- you, would have chosen to be captain given the departures?
0: I think all things being equal, I, I probably would have chosen Tussar myself. But I do w- wonder about the potential pitfalls of choosing a captain who's twenty years old and really has only played two thirds of a season in professional football. I, I think tusar as I said on Monday, has immense potential, but. I, I just fear it's a little bit too early for him. And in the absence of Toussaint, maybe Jeremy Morel, maybe Christoph Jallet if he had stayed, maybe Anthony Lopez. Uh, it's slim pickings as far as players who've, who've established themselves and have been with Lyon for a long period of time at this point. I think that's the dilemma that Bruno Ginezio has faced. Uh, moving on to Strasbourg. Nathan, they look to be, a, be, be building a very attacking, positive side. Does OL sometimes wobbly defense have something to worry about come this weekend?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Strasbourg are going to have a number of things back in them this weekend. The fact that they're back in league after, you know, having so many struggles and really sinking to the bottom of French football only to rise back up again. They've got a massive further, especially for the size of the club. Anyway, they've got a massive fan base. They're a, they're a relatively large club in France, even though they've, they've been in the doldrums. They've, they, averaged 14,000 in league 1 last season, which is absolutely incredible really to think about when you think that uh, Ligue 1's standard is 21,000 average, so they're going to be really up for this game. I mean, getting to go to Lyon in your first game of the season, yeah, that's the thing These half of these players would have dreamed of. I mean, if you think two years ago in the National, they, they wouldn't have even imagined that happening. So, they, with that, with the attacking side, the belief that they've they gone out and bought players and tried to make a, a team that's not just trying to survive, but trying to become a league and a team for this foreseeable future. Given that Leon can be a bit weak at the back, they've lost Mamana. Um, it means that someone possibly inexperienced, or in the case of Marcelo, um, he's, he's not inexperienced in any way, but obviously it's a little bit of a risky one with his first sort of game of the season test them early, give them what, give everything you've got, give all the energy you can. And they've got nothing to lose. If they lose against Leon, if this, say, it's 3-0, 4-0, no one's going to really be bothered. You know what I mean? If, if they really go for this, if they really put their heart and soul into this, um, I think they could really get something from this because, they, like I say, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. And I think at the start of the season that can be the most riskiest thing to, to these bigger sides that these smaller teams might as well have a go because they're, they're expected to be beat. So go for it. Go, f- go hell for leather and see what the outcome ends up being because it might just surprise you. I, I, I fully agree. I,
0: I think that it's been interesting to see uh, how Leon have used Jeremy Morrell rather extensively uh, left center back this earlier in this preseason. I, I wonder if there's some underlying issue be, behind Mutar Yacavi, whether it's physical or um, perhaps a little bit of aggression on his part. Uh, there's certainly talent in Leon's centered defensive ranks. I really like the signing of Marcelo at right center back, but uh, I, I don't think that they by any means resolved the questions that, they, that plagued them throughout last season. And without Akazet to rely on, this could be a trying season for the Rhone club. Uh, predictions. Adam, come to you first.
1: I, it's, I think it, it's an interesting game, but I still think Leon are going to going to win it. I think one 0 Okay.
2: Uh, Nathan, I'm going to go for a two all draw. All
0: right. I'll go for a two one Leon win. Uh, that is all for now. For Adam White and Nathan Staples. I've been Eric Devine. We'll have more matches to preview uh, next Thursday. And we're also going to be introducing a fan component. So we'll have something up on the GFFN Twitter feed where we'll invite a fan to test their wits against the three of us to see how they can fare in our preview competition. Um, we'll be back on Monday with Rich Allen as the new third wheel on the GFFN show uh, joining Nathan and I uh, we'll be live from 10 p.m. UK. Please do follow us on Twitter at GFFN and at The GFFN Show. Uh, you can ask us questions on, on Twitter that we can answer, and we'll have... Uh, all you need to know about week 1 of the league uh, season that's all for now have a have a pleasant rest of your weekend